0: You've heard me say this before, that the person with experience is never at the mercy of a person with theory. You can claim it theater. Very difficult for Caiaphas in that moment to deny that a man who was over 40 years of age, born lame, was dancing, leaping, and praising God. Father, we thank you for the reality of your word and for the strength that is found in your presence. God, we ask that you'd use these moments to speak to us and to speak through us. We commit it to you in Jesus name. Amen. I'll tell you this morning a story this morning. I want to go to the end of the story in Acts chapter 4 verse 31. It tells us this that after they prayed, the place where they meeting, were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, notice this, and spoke the Word of God boldly. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and did what? And spoke the Word of God boldly. 1975 was an interesting year. It was an interesting year for me. I was living in Fort Myers, Florida at the time, and uh, Schwinn came out with a new bicycle called the Schwinn Scrambler. It was the, uh, some of you might remember the Schwinn Stingray. The the Schwinn Stingray had the sissy bar in the banana seat, right? And everybody wanted the Schwinn Stingray. Well, in 1975, they came out with the Scrambler, which was the first true BMX bike. And I wanted that bike. So here's what I did. I pushed our mower down the street and went door to door. I don't know if you remember this. They used to let children, you know, run equipment like that. You know, you didn't have to be 25 and 3 degrees to buy a lawnmower and didn't have all this safety stuff. I could I could start our lawnmower and I could see the blade spinning underneath, right? Because there was no safeguards and stuff and and, uh, and and I would I, I would push this mower uh, down the street and I would knock on the door and and I would say hey I'll I'll mow your grass for five dollars I'll mow your grass for ten dollars and and uh, depending on how high it was or and if you wanted it trimmed uh, I I charge a little bit more for that and also if you wanted if you wanted me to round the corners where it looked like you owned a riding mower I I'd do that for you know those little extras it makes it look nice and so. Uh, man, I worked hard, worked all summer long, and raised the money for this, this Schwinn Scrambler bicycle. W- one of the proudest moments in my life when I rode that bike for the first time. Well, shortly after getting that bike, I moved uh, from living with my mother and stepfather in Fort Myers, Florida, to living with my grandmother in Davenport, Iowa. And my grandma and grandpa didn't live in, in, the, in the best part of town. They, in fact, they lived in the heart of the ghetto. There wasn't many people that looked like me. I was in the minority in that neighborhood. And, and it, was a, it was kind of a, a tough neighborhood. Shortly after I got there, I met this guy, two years older than me, beast of a guy, just a truck of a, a he, wasn't, he wasn't a boy, he was a man. And he came up to me and he said, nice bike. I said, thanks. He goes, uh, where'd you get it? And I said, I bought it. He goes, hmm. He goes, you know, I've always wanted a bike like that. I said, really? Yeah. In fact, I've decided that bike's going to be my bike, and I said, I don't think so. This guy was a good five, six inches taller than me, and he was, well, let me tell you what he became. His name is Michael Nunn. Michael Nunn was the IBF lightweight champion. He was the WBC middleweight champion, and he was the WBC uh, light heavyweight champion in boxing. And I'm telling you what, this guy could throw a punch. You know how I know? Because when he hit me, <laughs> this is not an exaggeration, I hurt for almost a year. First, he pushed me, he pushed me down a small hill, and I got back up and I ran back up. And I said, you're not taking my bike. And then he, he punched me and hit me so hard it spun me around and knocked me down. I got back up and I grabbed that bike and I looked at him and I said, look. You will get this bike when you pry my cold, dead hands off of it. Do you understand me? You're not getting my bike. One guy rode off with that bike that day, and it wasn't Michael Nunn. And I'm not afraid to tell the story because Michael Nunn is in prison for drug trafficking, and he doesn't get out until 2024. So, Michael Nunn, you cannot have my bike. (laughs) Courage. Courage is required to live the life that God has called you to live. And you have to have spiritual courage to be the man of God, to be the woman of God that He's called you to be. Because, friends, in spite of what so much of the church will tell you today, Because we've bought into this idea of easy believism. And and here's what we've done. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. In an attempt to help people connect with Christ and the church, we have oversold the Christian experience and undersold the power of God. Let me say that again. We've oversold the Christian experience and we've undersold the power of God. And we love to say this. You know what? Listen, if you would just give your life to Christ, here's what you're going to find. It's going to be all lollipops and candy canes. In fact, understand this, because, of God, because God has promised to bless you, all you have to do is ask, and He'll give you monetarily everything that you need, and He will put you on the ecclesiastical uh, example of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. This is the message that so much of the church, so much of the church, has wanted to share because we so want people to connect with God. But when that doesn't happen, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But how many of you prayed for a Cadillac and never got it? I'm not a big Cadillac fan. If you drive Cadillac, good for you. Ray Petra, your car's gorgeous. Uh, if, if I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray for an Audi A7. It's not shown up in my driveway. I don't know what the deal is. Here's what I find. I find this, that throughout the Bible, throughout history, and an understanding of what life is like today, it is not always easy to follow God. In Acts chapter three, Peter and John are doing what they do, right? They're 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 going every day to the temple courts as they as, as they would go uh, to teach and to preach. And, and as they're going along, each day they see this man who is put there by the gate beautiful. He's a cripple. He's been crippled since birth. He's over forty years old, scripture tells us, and he's he's put out there every day to beg. And one day, as Peter and John, as they're making their way through the, through, through the, the gate, beautiful, this man says, hey, can you help me out? Can you, can you give me a little something? Can you, can you give me some money? And Peter stops and looks at him and says, hey, look at me. Look at me. I don't have any money to give you. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this crippled man gets up, and it tells us this in Acts chapter 3, that he starts dancing and leaping and praising God. Because of where he sat to beg, because he sat there by the gate and begged, people saw him all the time. There was no denying who he was, and there was no denying what happened to him. Some some were amazed, others were curious, and they're like, what in the world happened? These guys prayed for me, look at me now. Tell us about what happened, talk to us about. We did this because if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, it will energize you or quicken you. As they're speaking, Caiaphas, Annas, and some of the religious cronings of the day show up, and they're not real happy about what's going on. And so what they do, Acts chapter 4 tells us this, that they seize Peter and John, and they throw them in prison overnight. Here's what I want you to notice, four things quickly this morning. Number one is this, when you're doing what God has called you to do, when you're doing what God wants you to do, in your life there will be trouble, Let me say that again. In your life, there will be trouble. It's not easy to be a Christ follower. You will face pushback. You will face persecution. This is the reason why, in James, when James says this, consider it pure joy when. That's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say consider it pure joy if you face trials, difficulties, if you face persecution. He said consider it pure joy when. You're going to face it. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face pushback. You're going to face ridicule. You're going to face criticism. People are going to tell you that you're narrow minded, they're going to call you intolerant. They're going to look at you and say that you're ignorant. They're going to lambast you as somebody who is buying into myths and wives' tales. They're going to say that you're embracing something whose time has come and gone. It shouldn't surprise you when you face this. Why? Because that has been the case for those who have followed God since the dawn of creation, friend. Life is presents challenges. And when you connect with Christ, those challenges don't go away. In fact, in in many situations, they're magnified. They're amplified. It is not easy to be a Christ follower. Let me say that again. It is not easy to be a Christ follower. You will face pushback. You will face persecution. Don't let this be a surprise to you. Many people will They'll drift away from the faith. They'll they'll step back in their Christian walk when this persecution comes, when the pushback happens. And I'm convinced that one of the key reasons is this, is because we as a church have done a bad job in explaining And we as the body of Christ have done a poor job in connecting with the power of God that was made available at Pentecost and is still available to you today. And because the church rejects the power of God because we want to be socially acceptable, what we've done is we've created an anemic Christian community that in the midst of any pushback, at any risk of being called irrelevant or intolerant, we will wither. But I want you to understand that anytime there's persecution, anytime there's pushback, here's what you can be confident of: that God's presence and God's power. Notice this in Acts four three; it tells us that Peter and John that they were thrown in prison. But we see there in in, 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 in verse eight. We see as they're, as they're brought forward and an accusation is made, what does it tell us? It tells us this, then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. It makes sense to us because we know in Acts 1, when Jesus told the disciples to wait, he said, wait for the gift that has been promised to you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, in this world you will have trouble. Life is not always easy. You're going to face challenges. You're going to face hurdles. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face pushback. But what God offers to you for all of that persecution, for all that pushback, God offers you more than ample power to respond to that. This is why, when Peter and John, in that situation, confronted by Caiaphas and Annas, why Peter is able to respond in power. By whose authority do you do this? Well, since you asked, Peter said, filled with the Holy Spirit, this individual who, remember this, just a short while ago, denied Christ three times. Now, in a similar situation, since you asked, Caiaphas, let me explain this to you. This man was healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, that would have been enough of a statement, wouldn't it? Okay? But he goes on. This man was healed by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. This was done in the power of the man who you you killed. You blew it. But i got news for you, Caiaphas, is this, you are operating in ignorance. Totally understand, you are operating in ignorance. So understand this, that repentance in this new life that Christ offered, it's available for even you, Caiaphas. See that's, friends, that's some boldness on Peter's part. How is he able to operate in such boldness? He's able to operate in such boldness because of the spiritual courage that is within him. And he has the spiritual courage because he's being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. This Holy Spirit that Jesus promised in John chapter 14 that he spoke about in Acts chapter 1 that we see first manifested in Acts chapter 2 that's explained to us in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and that is undeniably at work today. This is why, friends, the church must embrace Pentecost We must embrace the power of God because the same pushback, the same persecution that Peter and John faced in their day, we face that same issue today. Share on any level that you're a Christ follower and see how that goes. Not only, friend, not only are you going to face pushback, but here's what you're also going to face you're also going to face pressure to conform or pressure to compromise. Caiaphas and Anaphis, the religious cronies of the day, they understand this. They understand, They understand that they can't deny that this guy was healed. They know that the crowd knows it. It's undeniable. Why? Because the person with experience is never at the mercy of the person with theory. Don't tell me the power of God isn't available today. I've experienced it in my own life. Don't tell me God doesn't save. I know how He's radically changed my life. Don't tell me God doesn't deliver. I've I've seen it with my own eyes. Don't tell me God doesn't heal. There are people healed at this altar last Sunday. I had somebody share with me a testimony Wednesday night of how they had been walking with a cane for some time, and God healed them. They no longer were walking with that cane. They said, well, "Hold on, Pastor, that's not the only thing." They said, "I had one leg that was shorter than the other, and I was prayed for on Sunday, and you can literally see the leg come out into where both legs are the same, same, same length." Okay, that's one of those things that I mean, when 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 you've got one leg that's shorter than the other, and now both of your legs are the same size. That's undeniable. You know what I'm saying? This is, this, is, this is noticeable. This is undeniable. The fact, that, the fact that the church struggles with that, when it's very clearly in the Word of God, it, it puzzles me. How can you believe God can redeem you? How can you believe God can deliver you from enemy? How can you believe that God has the ability to create an eternal home for you? an eternal reward for you, and not believe that He won't give you power for victory today and bring strength into your life and even bring healing to your body. This is how big God is. Part of the reason that sometimes people struggle with the issue of healing is because not everyone all the time is healed. People will ask me to explain that. If God is so loving, how, how come? I, let, me, let me give you my response to that. I don't know. I know it's rare you'll hear a pastor say that. I don't know. There is so much about God that I don't understand. But what I do know is more than enough for me to be completely convinced. This thing I hold in my hand, I don't, understand. I don't understand how it does what it does. But I know enough about it that I, I, can, I can utilize it. Okay, There's so much about God I don't understand, but there's enough about him that I do understand. And by the way, I can appreciate that God is so much bigger, so much vaster, so much grander than my mind can possibly conceive. The, the, the audacity of a human to think that they can fully understand God, come on. That's just a little ludicrous, don't you think? That the creation can understand the creator, that the creation can define the creator. That's the reason why the word of God says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine. But I love what that scripture says. According to the power that is already at work within you. Wow. But you're going to face, listen, you're going to face opportunities. Compromise, so Caiaphas and Annas, they know that that this thing is undeniable, so here 's what they do. they say to Peter and, and John they say, listen, we 're going to let you go, but you've got to quit talking about this Jesus okay you've got to stop this. What they faced in that moment is what you 're going to face it's what Jesus faced this this temptation to compromise. In Luke chapter 4, it tells us this. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert where he fasted for 40 days. And, and, and during that 48 time, he was tempted. And at the end of that 40 days, he's hungry. So at his weakest point, the devil himself shows up. If you want to know when Satan is really going to make himself manifest in your life, it's at your your points of greatest weakness. He doesn't show up in the middle of Jesus' 40-day journey in the desert. He shows up at the very end when Jesus is hungry. And what's the first thing that he says to Jesus? You're pretty hungry, aren't you? I haven't eaten in 40 days. Thank you, Captain Obvious. And what does he say? He says, listen, you're, you're hungry. Why don't you just turn that stone into bread? One of the first areas that the enemy is going to try to get you to compromise where he's going to tempt you is in this issue of of comfort he, he loves to trip us up in the area of our need and here's what he'll say he'll say this he'll say you know what john if god really loved you he would have already taken care of you but you've got this need in your life you've got this need in your family's life listen you've got if it's gonna if it's gonna happen it's up to you you've got to take care of yourself. Okay, you take care of yourself, God will take care of himself, and by the way, God will understand. One of the first areas that the enemy will come at you is in areas of of comfort or in areas of need. And he'll try to get us to compromise. Jesus responds and says, man does not live by bread alone, but but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil does this. He says, I want you to look. Look at all this splendor. Look at everything you see. I will give all this to you if you'll just worship me. So he goes from comfort to need to now he's trying to get Jesus to compromise for for fame, for recognition, right? Jesus rebukes him again. And 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 that's the enemy will come at you, he'll come at you, try to get you compromise in the areas of need or in the areas of desire. The second area that he'll try to get you to compromise in is in areas of, of recognition or in areas of fame. It is not unusual for us to face situations where responding in spiritual with spiritual courage will affect us in our career, where where it will affect us in our our earthly relationships, where it will affect our standing in the community, it will affect our, our standing even within our family. But we have to take a stand, and we take that stand having the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is the reason why it's so important that we have this connection with an all-powerful God and then we understand the gift of the Holy Spirit and we, and we embrace that gift fully. Peter and John are able to respond in the situation that they're in because they are full of the Holy Spirit, it tells us. And then Acts 31, it tells us again that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This issue of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it was a very important thing for the early church. And that hasn't changed. It's still a very important thing for the church today. This is the reason why Calvary Assembly of God describes itself as a Pentecostal church. It's the reason why, as your pastor, I'll challenge you that you've got to embrace what the Holy Spirit is, you've got to embrace this thing that is oftentimes referred to as Pentecost. I will tell you this, it's also the reason why, if you look, know, Christianity Today had, had an article even this week where it talked about three of the trends that we're going to see over the next 10 years in the church. And, and one of the things that it talks about is this continued significant downhill slide or the hemorrhaging of the mainline denominational churches. And number two was the continued exponential growth of the Pentecostal and Charismatic Church. Let me tell you why the Pentecostal Charismatic Church is growing and the mainline denominational churches are shrinking. It's not because we're better. It's not because we're more spiritual. It's not because God loves us more. It's because of this one undeniable fact that we choose to embrace the power of God in all that comes with it. When you do that, just, just let, me, let, me, let me help you out a little bit. When you embrace, in a church environment, when you embrace the power of God and you give God the freedom to move Sometimes people will respond in godly expressions. Sometimes they'll respond in their own emotion. And sometimes in a church service, you'll see things that will make you go, huh? And even beyond that, you'll see some things that are just downright goofy. Here's the way that I explain it to people. I said, when when you're in a church that where there's true Pentecostal expression, that you have to deal a little bit with the granola factor. Because you have to deal with some flakes and nuts. And I want you to know that when you when you come to Calvary, you're going to experience a lot of the power of God. You're going to see the proof of what God's doing in a genuine way. You're going to get the meat of the word. You're also, from time to time, there's going to be a little bit of granola. I want you to know this. As leadership, we'll deal with that. We'll manage that. But I would rather have freedom of expression, and have to deal with a little bit of granola than to have a fear-based environment that's high control and I never experienced the power of God. Because, friend, what you don't need is another message from me. Knowledge puffs up. That's all knowledge does. And the last thing that we need is a bunch of puffed-up Christians that have no connection with the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you what you get when you get people that are puffed up on Bible knowledge with no connection with the Holy Spirit. You get Caiaphas and Annas and all these Pharisees, and there are enough modern-day Pharisees in the world today. I don't want us contributing to that. Does that make sense? And so what we've got to do is this. is We've got to operate. We've got to walk in the power of God. Now, the third area where, where, the, where the enemy will come and try to tempt you, try to get you to compromise, is in, is in the area of your reputation. Right? We see this because the way that he tempted Jesus, first with the need, Jesus, you're hungry, turn the stone to bread. Secondly, with, with recognition, with fame, listen, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all this stuff, all this splendor. And the third thing, you claim you're the son of God. If you're the son of God, prove it. Let's go up to the pinnacle of the temple, you throw yourself off, and let's see if God catches you. So you call yourself a Christian. Well, if God's so real, let's see if he does this. Again, it shouldn't surprise us when we face that kind of stuff because Jesus himself faced it. This is the reason why generations earlier David could write, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why was David able to write, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Because he lived it. David lived honorably, did right, and yet, still faced persecution. David honorably served the man of God the, God, the man that God had appointed king, King Saul, and Saul tried to kill him. And in those moments, whether it be need that we have in our life, the opportunity for personal advancement, fame, or out of a temptation, temptation, to protect our reputation. It's going to be real easy to compromise, and it would have been so much easier for, for Peter and John in that moment to go, you know what, if nothing else, maybe we don't have to be completely silent, but if nothing else, maybe we can just tone it down a little bit for a while. You know? Maybe, maybe, we, can, maybe we can take a break. But I want you to notice a couple of things. Uh, if, if, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. And there, there are two great things I love that I see here in Acts chapter 4. It tells us in Acts 4.4, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And then the scripture that I mentioned at the beginning of our time together. All the believers were one, or, 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 I'm sorry, Acts uh, uh, 4:31, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So, so yes, Peter and John are facing persecution. but the power of God is evident. it's there. They're, they're challenged, they're encouraged to compromise. But the fact that they refused to compromise, in that moment, people's lives are being transformed. In Peter and John's day, they're being transformed by the thousands. And here's what it tells us in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men. So, you know, this Peter and John, there's There's nothing special about them. What is it that makes them be so enigmatic? What makes them to be able to do things with such authority? What what makes them to be able to communicate truth with such power? They're unschooled, ordinary men. It says this, they took note that they had been with Jesus. And when we walk with the power of God, when we walk with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, here's what it does. It helps people to recognize that we've been with Jesus. And it doesn't just bring us to a place of victory, but it helps other lives be transformed. Jesus said, and you will be my witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He doesn't say, go and witness. He says, you will be my witness. Your life is an example. You are called to be the salt of the earth, bringing value. You are called to be the light of the world, to bring influence. And so, you bring value and influence one way or the other. I either influence people to connect with God or I influence them to disconnect from God or to reject God. Because like it or not, I'm his witness. Like it or not, you're his witness. And when they saw Peter and John and they saw how they were functioning and realizing there was no way that they could do this in their own ability, they took note that they had been with Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, the one who heals the lame. Jesus, the one who walks on water. Jesus, the one who talks to the winds and the waves and commands them to be still, and they must be still. Jesus, the one who cleanses the leper. Jesus, the one who opens the blind eyes. Jesus, the one who raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, the one who conquers death, hell, and the grave. They come to this conclusion. They've been with Jesus. What our world needs is Jesus, and you take Jesus to the world. They will see it in you as you walk under the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is the reason why, friend, this whole thing of the Holy Spirit is not just some side issue in the Bible. You know what, I've got salvation, I don't have to, I've got my fire insurance, right? I'm good, I'm in. I've said the sinner's prayer, I'm a Christian, i got my fire's insurance, I know I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. You know, this whole Holy Spirit business, I don't want to mess with that because it's kind of fuzzy and kind of confusing, and, and I don't know so much about that. Listen, It's vital because it is, it is that thing by which God energizes that He brings forth the spiritual courage that you need to be more than an overcomer. Michael Nunn only punched me one time and it was painful. But I rode away on that bike, and not only did I ride away away on that bike, I, I spent a good percentage of my high school career in that area. I kind of bounced back and forth between Iowa and Florida. In that area, no one ever messed with me again. Because I stood up to the bully. And if Michael Nunn was here today, you know what I'd say to him? I'd say, hello sir, please don't hit me again. (laughs) No, here's what I would tell him. I would tell him, Michael, you've had some earthly fame and you've wore some belts and had some monetary success. You've been able to use your strength and your natural ability to get some things in life. But even the great Michael Nunn was knocked out. Even the great Michael Nunn was stripped of his belt. because he discovered the limits of his strength and his ability. And I would say to him, Michael, I want to introduce you to the one who could make you a true champion, who can put you in a place where there are victories that no one can ever take from you, ever take away. I would tell him that he can store up for himself treasures in heaven where rust and moth do not corrupt, where thieves cannot break in and steal. That God has a plan for him to live his life and to spend eternity as a champion. And that at 52 years of age, this South might no longer have the strength to knock somebody out. But the strength that God makes available is timeless. And it works in any and every situation. Some of you walked in here this morning and and because of, your, because of your Christian life, you've been facing some persecution. You've been facing some pushback. Well, God brought you here today to tell you He's got your back. And you may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you do not have to fear that evil. Because His presence in your life is more than enough. Some of you came in today, and you love to call yourself a Christian, but that same pressure that Peter and John faced in their day you're struggling with that same pressure today, that issue of compromise and you you'd like things to be different in the workplace you 'd like things to be different in the classroom. You'd like to be a stronger Christian around your friends and in your home. But if you are to be honest, the, the opportunity to compromise, it's winning in your life. And it, that, that, that compromise is winning in your life because of the fear of the pushback, the fear of the persecution. Well, God brought you here today because He's got a prophetic message for you. And, and, and it's this, that His power is available to you. His presence is your promise. And that thing that all things work together for good for those who love God and call it according to His purpose, that's not just some great pithy statement in Scripture, it's truth. And that your greater victory will be found not in getting along to go along. Your greatest victory is not going to be found in compromise. But it's going to be found in living your life as a spiritual champion, which can only be done as you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. It says this about the church in that day. It says as they got together, after, after Peter and John were let out of prison, they, they got together with the believers. Peter gave an encouraging word, and it says this. It says that the place was shaken, the presence of the Holy Spirit was evident, and they spoke the word of God boldly. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I just want to take a few more moments of your time this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you on a, on a general basis that each and every one of you will have an understanding of and a willingness to embrace the power of God If you're here as a a skeptic or a seeker this morning, maybe you haven't accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, today's your day. You heard me say this, and, and no doubt this is true in your life, that all the questions aren't answered. But I'm confident of this that enough of the questions are answered that it makes sense for you to say yes to God. Today's your day. It's time for you to enter into relationship with Him. It's, it's time for you to embrace the promise of God and experience the power of God in your life. Some of you, you're, you're here and, and you consider yourself a Christ follower, but it's been tough sledding lately because the persecution has taken its toll And the compromise has caused you to drift far from God. By the way, I'm not here today to put you on blast. I'm not here today to accuse you. I'm here today to state the obvious. And to remind you. That the God who created you and redeems you. He still stands with his arms open wide and says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Place your burdens upon me. Those burdens include even our compromises, even our faults and our failures. And the last thing is this. Whether you're a skeptic, a seeker, a struggling saint, or a warrior that's experiencing victory in the midst of today's battles, God brought you here today to strengthen you, to re-energize you, to fill you with His Spirit. Because if the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Romans says, it will energize you. And God wants you to live an energized Christian life. Let's stand together.